The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Breaking news, Ukraine under attack as Russian troops and tanks push into the country. Airstrikes are hitting everything from military targets to the capital city of Kiev. Broad condemnation of Russia's assault from leaders all around the world. President Biden calling the attacks unprovoked and unjustified. He is planning to meet with G7 counterparts today ahead of what is expected to be a coordinated response to that Russian aggression. And global equity markets are in free fall as U.S. futures drop sharply. Point to losses at the opening bell. Oil is surging past $100 a barrel. It's a big day for the markets. It's a big day for Russia and Ukraine. It is February 24th, 2022, a Thursday. This is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. I am Dominic Chewin for Brian Sullivan this morning. We, we begin today with some very, very big breaking news. Russian President Vladimir Putin announcing late last night that military operations have begun inside of Ukraine. The offensive appearing to stretch across the entire country with explosions and air raid sirens heard in major cities, including the capital city of Kiev. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky declaring martial law across the country, telling citizens not involved in crucial infrastructure to stay at home. President Biden, after speaking with Zelensky, calling the attacks unprovoked and unjustified. Biden will meet with G7 counterparts today before addressing the American people later on. The U.N. Security Council also holding an emergency meeting this morning on the attacks, calling for Putin to pull back his troops. Russia says it is only targeting military installations in an effort to demilitarize Ukraine. And that is really has has not attacked cities or civilian populations right now. Moscow is adding that the attacks are in response to previous Ukrainian aggressions. The Pentagon says there is little evidence to support that claim and that the U.S. has been warning for months Russia would try to artificially manufacture an excuse to start some kind of a conflict with Ukraine. Global equity markets are responding swiftly to the developments there. U.S. stock equity futures are pointing to sharply lower opens as the major indexes set to push even deeper into that so-called correction territory. Right now, the Dow Jones futures imply a move of roughly 675 points to the downside. The S&P 500 would open lower by roughly 84 points and the Nasdaq lower by a whopping 337. So again, a lot of bloodshed happening right now with regard to markets overall. We'll see what happens with the Ukraine-Russia situation as it develops. That is also leading right now to a bid for Treasury bonds. Prices are rising for the safety of U.S. government debt that is pushing interest rates lower. Ten-year Treasury note yields currently 1.87%. So again, below that 1.9 mark, people are bidding up the prices for the safety of U.S. government debt. The two-year Treasury note yield 1.50%. 
Oil prices, more than $5 a barrel to the upside on this particular news. World benchmark Brent crude futures now above $100 per barrel, closer to 104 right now. That's up about 7.5%. Same with U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate, $98.93. That's, again, about 7.5% to the upside. Meanwhile, natural gas prices, very much a focus here of the energy conversation, up about 6% right now as well. Precious metals, the safety trade there. Higher pretty much across the board. You can see gold prices are now well, well above $1,900 per, per ounce. 2.5% upside there, 1957 the last trade for COMEX Gold Futures. Silver prices also up 3.5%, $25.40 there. Platinum up nearly 3%, palladium up 7%. You get the idea. There's safety trade playing out in metals. There is no safe haven here, though, as crypto prices sink this morning on these developments in Ukraine. Bitcoin is now at a one-month low. Those prices down 6%, 35274 the last trade for Bitcoin. Ether prices down nearly 10%, $2,368 in the last trade there. Red arrows also across the world. Let's now get out to Rosanna Lockwood in our London newsroom with the latest there on what is shaping up to be, Rosanna, a very, very negative day for European markets. That's absolutely right, Dom. Putting this uh, risk-off mood for equities markets in a global focus, those early indicators for you guys. Let's start with Asia. We inherited this very weak lead here in Europe this morning. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong closing down under 3.5%. Though you must also take into account what's happening in Hong Kong with regards to COVID at the moment, the way it's impacting businesses there. The Shenzhen down 2.5%. The Nikkei 225 closing at its lowest level in 15 months. Uh, All companies like Fanuc, SoftBank, Uniqlo affected down 1.8% in Japan. Let's take a look though at how European markets then took this lead and ran with it much lower. Now I want to point out the DAX here that is down now almost 4% in Germany. It has been a laggard all week. Many major German industrial companies, major companies have business ties, links, relationships with Russian companies all above board but it does make them very vulnerable to what is happening in Ukraine at the moment. So down almost 4%. The same with the Cat Gahont in Paris down 3.7%. Here in London meanwhile the FTSE 100 faring uh, slightly better if we can say even that but don't forget there's companies in this like BP that has a lot of exposure uh, to Russia you were mentioning there the oil price now that is a story we've been watching very heavily this morning here in Europe Uh, gas as well Russia accounting for some quarter of all global gas exports but here in Europe broadly across the board this morning a lot of red guys Thank you very much. Rosetta Lockwood in London with the latest there on the global markets. If you are just joining us, once again, Russia overnight launching what's widely seen as the first wave of its invasion of Ukraine, with airstrikes hitting military installations and major cities across the country, including the capital city of Kiev. NBC's Bree Jackson is in Washington, D.C. She joins us now with the latest from the capital here in America. Good morning, Bree. Good morning, Dominic. Well, President Biden will speak with G7 leaders to discuss severe sanctions against Russia. And President Biden is expected to deliver remarks on on Russia's attacks later today. Ukraine under fire this morning. Sirens wailing. And explosions heard in major cities, including the capital, Kyiv. Long lines of cars with people trying to flee to safety. President Biden condemning Russia, saying Putin has chosen a premeditated war that will bring a catastrophic loss of life and human suffering. Russian President Vladimir Putin announced the attack on state TV in Russia, claiming it's intended to protect civilians. 
During an emergency meeting, members of the United Nations Security Council pleaded for peace. At the exact time as we are gathered in the council seeking peace, Putin delivered a message of war. He made a decision for a special military operation in the Donbass. So I call on every one of you to do everything possible to stop the war. Ukraine's president declaring martial law, allowing curfews and the seizure of property, saying the future of Europe's security is being tested. The U.S. vowing support. We're doubling down on our assistance to Ukraine itself. Uh, making sure, as we've already done, that we're providing additional security assistance, uh, diplomatic support, economic humanitarian support. And reassuring NATO allies. The world will hold Russia accountable. The White House says today it will announce significant new actions to punish Russia. And later today, members of Congress will receive a briefing on the situation in Ukraine. Dominic. All right, Bree, thank you very much for that update for, from Washington, D.C. Uh, keep it right here. We are monitoring developments in the market right now. We are seeing very much a trade for risk aversion. Oil prices on the rise, as you can see there, ice Brentwood futures. The world benchmark, $104.50, rising above $100 for the first time since 2014. Gold prices are higher. Silver prices are higher. Meanwhile, equity markets in Europe lower, and U.S. equity futures are pointing to losses Keep it right here. Worldwide Exchange will be back after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Oil prices are surging today after Russia launched military action in Ukraine. Brent, the global benchmark for oil prices, jumping well over $100 per barrel on worries about possible supply disruptions on the Russian side of things. U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate briefly surpassing that $99 per barrel mark. You can see they're $99.48 the last trade there. Let's now bring in Amrita Sen, co-founder and head of research at Energy Aspects, Amrita, I, I think that, that I'm going to treat every one of our guest interviews for this hour the same way and just ask right off the bat to, to identify the downside. How bad could this get for energy markets or how bullish could this be for oil? 
Look, I think, I mean, A, the situation remains extremely fluid, right? I mean, given the military escalation uh, that we warned about yesterday as well, I think part of it is because the market was quite complacent. A lot of traders um, we were speaking with were very much of the view that, oh, uh, Putin would basically end whatever was happening at Donbass and wouldn't go in. And I think part of the reaction you're seeing from the market is exactly that, that uh, miscalculation or at least are underestimating the risks around this. Now, right now, the price is a number. It can go to any level, genuinely. Like, could, we could be uh, at 110 uh, by the end of today for Brent, right? Because this is about the fear. Now, we understand still, even as the West will impose more sanctions on Russia, uh, which is they've already articulated that, that, you know, as if Russia were to go beyond Donbass, there will be more sanctions. It will still not include energy sanctions. By that, I mean prompt energy supplies. Future projects, Nord Stream 2, that's very different. That can absolutely be on the cards. But if prompt energy supplies aren't going to be affected, this isn't a loss of supplies. But that doesn't mean that you're not going to get fears uh, or just the fear of potential disruption, buyers just being wary of sanctions and staying away. You've already seen euros, the Russian benchmark, come off massively in price. Asian buyers are buying it because they are less, uh, I guess, less risk averse. European buyers aren't. So the disruption, or rather I would say the fear of sanctions, can really cause significant supply uh, trade flow, uh, I would say, changes rather than supply outages. So, so, Amrita, as we watch oil prices right now on the screen next to you and in our, in our tickers below, we are seeing sharp rises to prices. Supply is an issue here. What do you think could happen in response from other oil-producing countries, other big oil exporters around the world? I, I, I say this because Russia is obviously very much a huge energy producer, but the U.S. is the biggest producer out there for hydrocarbons. We also have OPEC, partner country with Russia, in, in many of these supply issues that we've seen over the last several years. What exactly do then other oil producing countries do possibly in response? Or are we waiting to see what actual sanctions are being proposed by governments around the world? That's absolutely correct. It's the latter. Because again, there has been no supply disruption. And I do want to really underline that point. There are fears of supply disruption, but until and unless there's an actual supply disruption, OPEC Plus is unlikely to react. OPEC Plus has already been under pressure from the U.S. government to try and increase production above and beyond the 400,000 barrels per day. Uh, but they have absolutely said we're going to stick to plan. And uh, you've recently heard ministers there also say that should there be a supply disruption in Russia, OPEC Plus doesn't even have the spare capacity to compensate for it. But again, right now there's no supply disruption. I think the second point that you're making again about the U.S., production will all always take longer to react. There are, there are months, potentially years of uh, lead time around the world. U.S. could be months. Uh, where I think you could get more supply right now is strategic petroleum reserves, so SPRs. The problem is the U.S. is already releasing SPR, if you remember back in November, uh, and we understand that they are pretty much maxed out in terms of the capability of how much they can release in terms of the infrastructure available. Sure. So we don't think the U.S. can necessarily push out more oil from the SPR before June. The IEA, again, will wait for an actual supply disruption before it reacts. Understood. Amrita Sen, thank you very much for the thoughts there on the energy markets. We appreciate it. Uh, and good luck in the days ahead here on your side of thank things. You. Uh, so we are also keeping a close eye on stock index, index futures right now. They are set to extend an already long five-day losing streak. 
Right now, the Dow is implied lower by roughly 2% or roughly 667 points. The S&P lower by about 84 points. And the Nasdaq really has been very much the epicenter of a lot of the trading volatility. It's implied lower by roughly 2.5% to 339 points to the downside. We, now, we are also watching action in the markets over the past 12 hours for sure here. You can kind of see there a deteriorating trend, although some stability over the last maybe hour, hour and a half or so with S&P 500 futures, as you can see there. Joining me now is Gina Sanchez, CEO of Chantico Global, also a CNBC contributor. Uh, and Gina, like I asked Amrita Sen just a few moments ago, I- I'm going to ask every one of our guests this morning, what exactly is, how bad could it get? What's the downside risk here, given what we know, at least for right now, with Russia and Ukraine? Well, look, I think the immediate downside risk continues to be uh, a continued spike in oil prices. And if normally oil prices react very quickly to the upside and very slowly as they come back down. So if we do see a spike, it's something that probably will not persist um, unless there is, uh, as Amrika said, an actual supply disruption. So I think the initial spike has to be uh, about fear. Now, the problem with oil prices is they act as a tax on the economy. We are already well into the post-pandemic recovery, um, and expectations for GDP were already slowing. So if you throw onto that um, a a tax in the form of oil prices uh, higher, that actually could disrupt the the demand, quite frankly. And disruption to demand would mean that suddenly we would be looking at uh, a less rosy you know, uh, recovery. And in fact, we could actually start tipping into um, into a more significant slowdown. So if that's the case, is this a market reaction that is in line, Gina, in your opinion, with what we are seeing right now? I ask because this is very much a, a dire situation in Ukraine. There is no doubt the Dow is implied lower by roughly 600 points. We are not implied lower by a thousand. We are not implied lower by 1,500. We are not even close to triggering circuit breakers for U.S. markets right now. Is there a case to be made that many traders and investors have been handicapping this with a downside market over the course of the last several weeks and months at this point? Well, I mean, I think the dynamic that this this is happening within is a market that was girding itself for significant Fed action. At one point, I think it was right at the beginning of the month, uh, Fed futures were pricing in as many as seven rate hikes by the end of the year. Well, if we suddenly start to see a spike in oil and a slowdown in demand, well, then there's no way that the Fed can come uh, and, and accomplish seven rate hikes, much less come out of the gate with a 50 basis point cut uh, hike right away. And so I think to some degree, the market is caught um, already having sold off anything that was that was too growthy, anything that didn't have profitability, anything that was very highly priced. That's really what's been getting um, pummeled. Now we see this this concern about value, but a lot of these stocks have already re-rated. And in fact, it could later on be a boon for them if we're suddenly not facing the quantitative tightening and the Fed acting as hawkishly as the market was was girding for. All right. Gina Sanchez at Chantico Global. Thank you very much, Gina. We appreciate it. As we head out to break, Russia stock market suffering their worst day ever on record. The U.S. dollar backed RTS index, as you can see there, down 33 percent in a day. 
the ruble-based MOEX sinking more than you can see 29%, 22.04 the last trade there. We've got much more on this trade and others when Worldwide Exchange returns after this break. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. We want to get you a check on the markets right now. The S&P 500 pre-market laggards. Some of the biggest laggards so far. EPAM Systems down 15%. eBay is down 10%. NetApp shares down about 6.5% as well right now. Those are some of the S&P 500 pre-market laggards so far today. The Russian ruble is plunging to a record low versus the dollar. Down, you can see, nearly 8% before coming off those levels. You can see now the dollar is up about 4%. So again, Inverse relationship there, dollar strength, Russian weakness. This is all as Russian forces invade Ukraine. Check out Ukraine's currency, the Irvina. It's trading near its weakest level versus the dollar since 2015. As you can see there, again, the green on the screen indicates dollar strength versus the local currency weakness. Safe haven assets like the dollar, the Japanese yen, gold prices are all getting bids today and trading Let's get now some more insights with Jane Foley. She's the head of FX strategy over at Rabobank. Jane, uh, this is a reaction that is maybe not at all unexpected given geopolitical conflict, especially when it comes to military action. However, do you expect to see a bigger safety bid coming? I'm looking at yen prices. I'm looking at dollar Swiss prices. And yes, they are reacting, but not to the degree that maybe some people thought they would. Well, I think that's probably right. I think some of the uh, the news has been priced in over the last few weeks. But, you know, we've got to recognise that there's a lot of uncertainty still up in the air, a lot of questions uh, still unanswered. I mean, for instance, think about uh, the Black Sea. My colleagues on the agri-commodity side refer to that region as the breadbasket of the world. Now, there is no suggestion right now that there will be blockades of, of wheat exports from Russia, from Ukraine, uh, or corn, etc. But with, there might be. You know, this is this is some of the uncertainty that that, that an invasion does raise. We've got concerns about humanitarian crisis. We've got concerns about refugees. All of these questions, it's impossible to answer these right now. And this suggests that there is still the possibility that we could have even more of a, of a safe haven bid in, in the days or weeks ahead. So perhaps it's just too early uh, to, to, to ring back on some of that caution just yet. Has it been at all maybe surprising in your mind, some of the machinations in the market around this I made a point earlier on that, that there has been a kind of step-down effect for markets uh, overall, 
many markets, macro and, and micro markets, over the course of the last several weeks here. Has it been at all maybe surprising that we've seen this kind of, I, I guess, real-time handicapping effect as opposed to massive gaps up or down in certain markets? You know, I, I think the market has been uh, really coming to grips with, you know, with a, quite a lot of uh, news in, in the course of the last uh, few weeks. And and if you like, you know, we have the the, the news already of a, of a lot of major central banks tightening policy. If you like, uh, certainly when we're considering uh, the, the impact of an economy of, of a rise in oil prices, it has the same degree of effect. It has a, the same degree of a, of a headwind to growth, perhaps as an interest rate hike would have. So when you consider, um, you know, the news that's been priced in, we're moving along the same lines uh, when we consider some of the risks from gas prices, oil prices, sure. as we would have been for, for interest rates too. So it, it's difficult right now to, to disseminate uh, what reactions are, are related to, to which effects. But certainly, you know, the, the threats to growth have certainly been stepped up this year. All right. And interest rate policy may be taking a little bit of a variability turn right now as well. Jane Foley, thank you very much for that. We appreciate it. Coming ahead on the show, a live report from the ground in Ukraine as Russian troops breach the border in what's seen as the first wave in a wider-ranging assault by Russia on Ukraine. Wall Street is getting ready for a sharply lower open this morning. You can see there the Dow Jones futures implying what could be a 2% drop at the opening bell. The Nasdaq could be lower by over 2.5%. We are back after this break. Breaking news, Russia launching an invasion of Ukraine, carrying out airstrikes on cities as Russian military forces cross into the country. We are live on the ground in Ukraine with the very latest. President Biden set to meet with world leaders and address the American people as the White House maps out its latest response to the unprovoked aggression. Former Army Colonel Jack Jacobs is standing by to lay out the options at the U.S.'s disposal. And markets around the world and here in the U.S. are facing a steep sell-off. As you can see there, oil and natural gas prices are spiking. John Najarian makes sense of the trading day ahead and what you need to do with your money. It is Thursday, February 24, 2022. You are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back to the show. I am Dominic Hsu in for Brian Sullivan on a very, very news-filled morning. We begin with that breaking news. Russian President Vladimir Putin announcing late last night that military operations have begun inside Ukraine. The offensive appearing to stretch across the entire country. President Biden, after speaking with Ukrainian President Zelensky, calling the attacks unprovoked and unjustified. He says he will meet with G7 counterparts today before addressing the American people. The U.N. Security Council also holding an emergency meeting this morning on the attacks calling for Putin to pull back his troops. Russia says it is only targeting military installations in an effort to demilitarize Ukraine. Their words, that has not, it has not attacked cities or civilian populations here. Moscow adding that the attacks are in response to previous Ukrainian aggression. The Pentagon says there is little evidence to support that claim, and the U.S. has been warning for months that Russia would try to artificially manufacture some excuse to start some kind of a conflict. Right now, global equity markets are responding very quickly to these developments. U.S. stock futures are pointing to a sharply lower open this morning as the major indexes push even deeper into that so-called correction territory. Right now, the Dow futures imply a roughly 600-some point drop or a 2% downside at the opening bell. 
The S&P 500 would fall by roughly 2% as well, and it would be 2.5% losses for that NASDAQ trade. That has been, again, very much the epicenter for a lot of the volatility that we've seen in the markets over the last several weeks. Treasury prices are getting a bid. Benchmark U.S. Treasury note prices are rising by around a percent or so. That's pushing yields down by roughly 10 to 11 basis points or 0.1 percent. Right now, the last trade is just a hair below 1.86 percent for the 10-year Treasury note yield. Remember, we were talking 2 percent just earlier in the course of the last couple of days here. Now, you watch that particular trade play out. That is a safety bid as people rush in to buy U.S. government debt amid the turmoil. Oil prices are surging more than $5 a barrel on the news as well. Brent world benchmark prices are now $105.45. That's nearly 9% upside. Right now, U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate has breached $100 as well. The last trade there, $100.22, roughly, again, 9% of the upside. And let's not forget natural gas prices have been very volatile this year, even more volatile today, up 6% today in that session as well. Precious metals prices higher across the board, seen as a safety trade there. Gold prices, you can see $1,970 an ounce, 3% upside. Silver futures, $25.56, 4% upside there. Platinum and palladium prices also seeing some pretty big upside as well. There is no, however, safe haven trade here for crypto prices. They are sinking this morning based on those developments in Ukraine. Bitcoin prices currently at a one-month low. You can see down about nearly 7%. 10% declines for Ethereum prices. Ether, you can see 23.53, the last trade there. And it doesn't matter really what part of the crypto market you are looking at. Many of these so-called smaller or altcoins are all sharply lower on this Ukraine invasion here by Russia. Take a look also at the volatility index. We don't often show it, but it's a gauge sometimes to see what kind of relative volatility we are seeing in the marketplace. That CBOE volatility index is 36.51 right now. So, again, a sharp move higher in volatility prices tied to options and stocks in the S&P 500. There is steep selling around the world. Let's get out to Rosanna Lockwood in our London newsroom with the latest on the global markets and the sell-off there. Rosanna. Yeah, inheriting that very weak lead from Asia, Dom. Uh, European markets, safe to say, firmly in the red this morning. We've got the cat cat haunt in Paris. The DAX moving in lockstep now, both down, uh, approaching that 4% mark. Meantime, you've got the other bolsters in Europe, the FTSE, the MIB. Uh, they are, as well, pretty much declining. Interesting to note that the FTSE 100 here in, in London is doing uh, pretty well when you consider that it's got uh, BP in there that has a major Russian exposure. Of course, we are focusing heavily on all companies that do have big Russian exposure. Think of uh, Sokgen uh, that might be uh, hanging on things in Paris. Uh, and also a lot of German industrials as well. They have a lot of what were previously above-board business relationships with companies in Russia, and that, of course, is affecting things. Banks in particular have been a real heavyweight across Europe this morning. For example, look at Austria's Raffaisen Bank. Uh, that's down 16.5%. And I think it's safe to say that across the board, banks like to sort of play down the relationships with Russia and say it's not that important. But really, we're seeing uh, this morning that it is very different from that. Meantime, we have been keeping an eye on the index in Russia, the MOEX as well, and it must be said it was extraordinary, uh, dropping almost 42% the last hour. So I think it's back up near 20 or so percent on. All right, Rosanna Lockwood, the latest on the markets there in London. Thank you very much for that. To the situation now on the ground in Ukraine. President Zelensky there declaring martial law across the country, telling citizens not involved in crucial infrastructure to please stay at home. The Russian offensive appearing to stretch across Ukraine with explosions and air raid sirens heard in major cities, including the capital city of Kiev. 
NBC News's Matt Bradley joins us now from Kharkiv in the eastern part of Ukraine. Matt, can you tell us now about what the latest is? Have we heard any news about possible casualties on the ground within the Ukrainian borders? Yeah, I mean, everything is so murky right now, Don, but we have heard from an advisor to the Ukrainian government. He said that a couple dozen Ukrainian soldiers had been killed. I got to tell you, Dom, up until now, all we've been hearing from the Ukrainian government is praise and celebration about their victories uh, with against the Russian invaders. They did mention at the outset that they were badly bombed overnight. It started around 5 a.m. Uh, but then we started hearing about how they were burning tanks. They said that there were about five tanks that were burning just north of where I am here in Kharkiv, which is about 25 miles from the border. But we've also heard that the Russians have essentially, just where I am, uh, put down sticks. They've now stopped traffic. They're creating checkpoints just outside of this city. This is the second largest city in Ukraine, and it's a Russian-speaking city. It's one of the main targets of Vladimir Putin, um, and it's really kind of the unofficial capital of the east of the country, which is very much a Russian-speaking part of Ukraine. Uh, so, you know, we haven't really gotten much details because we haven't heard much from the Russians. Uh, but once we hear that, we'll get a much fuller picture. But right now, all of this is obscured by the fog of war. Dom? Matt, if you wouldn't mind, because you are there and you are literally a, a boots on the ground. We've heard these reports. Russia claims that it is not targeting civilian population centers. It is only targeting military installations, things like aircraft, landing strips, things like missile batteries, artillery positions, that sort of thing. In Kharkiv, the second biggest city in Ukraine, in that Russian-speaking part of the country, have you seen anything close to military action or, or artillery striking that area within the city limits? We've got nothing inside the city limits as far as I can tell. No reports. I haven't seen it with my own eyes. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, unlike in Kiev, where we're starting to see a huge column, a real an exodus of people fleeing the city, we're just not seeing that here. And I think that's partly because this is a Russian-speaking people uh, city, and I think people here expect that Vladimir Putin wants to endear himself to this city and won't uh, be attacking civilians. I think that people in Ukraine, uh, where Vladimir Putin has, in, in his speech last night, essentially promised to enact some sort of regime change. He called it, bizarrely, denazification. Uh, I think that they see that as more of a target and more of a place where civilians will be killed. But here in Kharkiv, there is a frightened confidence uh, that I can see where people are not fleeing, but they're certainly not circulating around in the streets. They're going to the shops, they're going to the banks trying to withdraw money, uh, and they're going to the grocery stores trying to get food. I'm actually hearing what sounds like shelling, uh, continued shelling, in the great distance off my left shoulder here. We've been hearing that in the last couple of minutes on and off again. It's starting to become a pattern. But again, this is very, very distant from where I'm standing right now in Kharkiv. All right. NBC's Matt Bradley with the latest there in eastern Ukraine. Thank you very much for that. For more on the invasion of Ukraine and the potential response by the U.S. and its allies, let's bring in retired Army Colonel Jack Jacobs. He's also an NBC News military analyst. He joins us on the phone. Colonel, thank you very much for this. Uh, I will ask you the same question I have each of our guests before. Uh, what is the downside? How bad could this get? Well, it could get very bad indeed. At the moment, uh, Putin is slow walking the entire exercise, waiting to see what kind of response this is going to elicit from the Ukrainians on the one hand, but most significantly from the West on the other. We had some relatively mild sanctions on a small number of 
banks and individuals so far. But if he moves in deeper, uh, we are likely to uh, extract some other payments from him in the form of uh, greater sanctions. However, um, if he does it slowly, we've already heard complaints from our EU partners uh, that uh, they don't want to see draconian moves like removing uh, uh, Russia from the SWIFT system uh, because that'll, that'll hurt them a great deal and they don't want to be economically uh, burdened. And, and Putin knows this. And as a result, a huge, wide-scale, sweeping invasion that will immediately take over all of Ukraine, and he could do it very, very easily. His, his array of forces, by the way, is about the same same size as the entire army of, of Ukraine. He could do that. Um, but barring that, he'll do it slowly and, uh, and watch as the United States has a very difficult time convincing its partners to, uh, to impose draconian strictures. What could happen after that, I mean, once U- Ukraine falls to the control of Russia, is that our other partners in Eastern Europe, Poland, the Baltic states will get extremely diff- uh, 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 troubled by all this. And we, mi- we might see, I mean, the worst of all possible worlds, is those allies of ours making concessions uh, to the Russians, particularly Germany, by the way. It's a large majority of its fossil fuels from Russia. Italy, sure. the same. Um, uh, we could see ourselves in a situation uh, in which we, are, we don't have a plan B and our allies will have decided to make concessions to Russia, Dom. So, so, so Colonel, I, I'm curious now, we know that there is a, a, a bipartisan effort right now to, to ask the administration to not involve the U.S. military without consulting Congress first. I, I wonder, in your opinion, knowing what you've seen in the past with these geopolitical conflicts, what is the likelihood that the U.S. could be drawn into a military conflict between Ukraine and Russia with actual U.S. boots on the ground in that region? I think the, uh, the likelihood is extremely low. Uh, we've already uh, said that we're going we're gonna to use non-kinetic means in order to convince Russia to stop what it's doing. Uh, we've sent uh, a division ready force from the 82nd Airborne Division there, but it's mostly a show of force to convince our allies that we're behind them. But at the end of the day, we've already committed to, and we won't uh, send troops to fight in Ukraine. And I don't think either the White House nor the Congress is interested in, and North American people is interested in doing that, which leaves us with, uh, with only economic means of trying to influence Russia. And as we've already, already seen, those are likely to be, uh, uh, not give us the kinds of results that we want, and we don't have another plan. All right, Colonel Jack Jacobs, thank you very much for your thoughts. We appreciate it, sir. Have a good day. You bet. All right, still on deck for the show, our continuing coverage of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Energy prices, as you can see, are surging. World benchmark Brent crude futures over $100 a barrel. U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate now $100 a barrel as well. Our own Brian Sullivan breaks down the overnight price action in those energy markets. And as we head out to break, a look at some of the biggest laggards in the pre-market trade so far in the NASDAQ this morning. You can see eBay shares down 10%. Chinese internet, like Pinduoduo, down about 6.5%. 
ASML Holdings down 6.5% as well. The Nasdaq, again, very volatile trade expected at the opening bell. We'll watch exchanges back in a moment. Welcome back. Oil and natural gas prices are spiking following the breaking news out of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. World benchmark Brent crude futures surpassing $100 per barrel right now, $105. U.S. benchmark West Texas Intermediate currently $99.66. We are talking 8 to 9% upside for those energy prices. U.S. energy stocks are following those prices for higher crude. You can see their Exxon, Chevron, Marathon oil among those that are gaining very much so in the pre-market trade. Not so much for some of the European oil majors. As you can see, there are companies like Total, BP are now down roughly 3 to 5% on some of this news coming out of Ukraine and Russia. Joining me now on the CNBC Newsline is our own Brian Sullivan, who's normally sitting in this chair. This is his show. He is off phoning in. Talk to us, Brian, about the energy reaction. Is it at all surprising to you? It's not a surprise, and good morning, everybody. Uh, You mentioned the stocks, Tom. A couple of things here. BP and Total are likely down because they own nearly 20% stakes in two Russian oil and gas companies, so they could be hit by any action against those companies. Important to differentiate some of these names from others. So Total and BP have direct exposure on the cash flow side. Uh, You mentioned some of the big majors. I would expect strong bids, not only in those, but in names like Schlumberger, Halliburton, Tellurian, LNG, Anything that goes to oil production and exploration or the exportation of uh, natural gas, I think, are going to probably pop today. I'm not making stock calls. That's Jim's job. But I'm just saying those are names that you got to watch in the market today. Uh, I think Amrita Sen at the top of the show, I heard her, was exactly right. This is a fear trade. There is no fundamental supply disruption yet. So this is going to be a uh, you're a former markets guy, buy stocks, think later kind of a kind of a market today. But uh, the reaction to oil and gas, probably not surprising, but I do want to remind people there is no supply disruption yet. This is purely sort of a, a gut check market reaction, given this uh, uh, terrible uh, news that we are seeing overnight. So, so Brian, it, it's knee jerk. But, but another point being made is some, some of the policies that are being enacted right now by Russia against Ukraine with regard to energy markets maybe changes the narrative in key parts of the macro market, and energy is perhaps front and center there. How is it then that oil markets could react given OPEC countries? Russia is not part of that, as, as, as you've been telling us before, but it's a big partner with those countries. The U.S. is non-OPEC, but it's the world's biggest producer of oil. How does the global oil supply and production dynamic change, not just in OPEC, but also here with our domestic fracking-based producers as well, given what's happening with Russia and Ukraine? Well, do you have 30 minutes? Because we could go into it, Dom. I mean, I know we don't. It's TV. I'm on the other side now, so it's 30 seconds. Here we go. First off, OPEC. This is going to be one to watch. Can they add more barrels to the market? No. Many of their members do not have the capacity. However, could we see the UAE, a strong U.S. ally, or Saudi Arabia come to the market today or make some comments about maybe giving, quote, something like a gift to the market. Saudis and UAE do have some spare supply capacity. 
theoretically they could break with the OPEC deal. OPEC would have to agree on it to put more barrels on it. Yes, Russia, to your point, not an OPEC member, but they are a member or the key member of the OPEC plus coalition. Obviously, this is the key. Will the Biden administration slap sanctions on Russian oil? They've slapped sanctions on banks and wealthy citizens. Will they do it on oil? Tough to see politically, Dom, because you've got consumer inflation already soaring in the United States. Gas prices above $5 in places like California. If you sanction Russian oil, we just bought a bunch of Russian oil the other day. If we bought, if we slap sanctions on that oil, sure. could we see gas prices go to six or seven U.S. dollars a gallon in places like California? Possibly. There will be some gouging, of course. Right. I can't see that being a political, palatable option, at least not right now, but I'll leave that to the political experts. Of course. So, Brian, uh, to your point there, as, as we kind of we have to leave the conversation there, we were just showing prices for the equities and tied to some of the Russian oil and gas companies. Gazprom in particular, one of the biggest oil and gas producers in Russia, is now down 38 percent of the day. So to your point, Brian, a lot of these reverberations are already happening with these oil and gas companies in Russia. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you, I'm sure, throughout the course of the day, Brian. We appreciate it. Still on deck for the show, our continuing coverage of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Stocks across the globe are looking at steep selling pressure. John Najarian is going to stand by here to help map out the trading day ahead amid this fresh round of uncertainty. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. Back to the markets amid Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Stocks around the world are facing some steep selling pressure. Here in the U.S., futures are indicating a 700-point drop for the Dow at these levels of roughly 2-some percent downside here. The S&P would open lower by 2% as well. Let's bring in John Najarian, Market Rebellion co-founder, also a CNBC contributor. You'll see him oftentimes on the halftime report. John, I'll ask you the same question as all of our guests this hour. How bad could this get? Let's define the downside for the market. Well, Dom, um, you know, we're seeing a pretty massive move in volatility, not just the market. Um, Volatility, the VIX, has moved up by, what, 27, 28 percent overnight like that. That's a big move. You know, that's something that catches people's eye because we're trading close to 37 right now in the VIX, which basically trades close to 24-7 these days. So that's telling you a lot. And then when you look at, as Brian was saying, but when you and I were, or when I was waiting and you were talking with Brian, um, the energy stocks, that's one side of the story for sure, because energy and of course, some of the precious metal stocks, Dom, are going to do extraordinarily well uh, because of this, because any cutoff of oil out of Russia would be uh, disastrous for just consumers and businesses around the world. That's already happening. Um, But I think some of the other consequences, Dom, are already working their way into the system. And that's, quite frankly, fertilizers. I mean, people don't really focus on it all that much. But Russia is one of the largest producers of uh, things that go into fertilizers, like Nutrien, CF Industries, uh, Bungie, uh, IPI, you know, all of these fertilizer stocks are going to be just flying. And you might ask why. And I'd say, well, because you cut off any of those supplies and that's going to push demand up. And obviously, as that demand goes up, prices that consumers pay for food 
are just going to be rocketing higher. So you've got on the one side, Dom, getting that stuff to market. That's, you know, part of the energy trade. And on the other side, turning, you know, seeds and so forth into the crops that we eat or feed to cattle and pigs and so forth. That's the other side. And that's both of those are going to be working against consumers globally. It's, it's a complicated uh, situation for sure with a wide-ranging market reverberations. John Ejerian, thank you very much. We'll see you later on. Thank you very much for joining us here. That does it for us on Worldwide Exchange. Squawk Box picks up the continuing coverage of this breaking news on Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the impact on global markets and economy and the turmoil it's causing all coming up next after this break. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 